Part 2 of the Portrait This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Red Abrus The Open Door and the Portrait Stories of the Seen and Unseen by Margaret O. Oliphant the Portrait, Part 2 The drawing room was already lighted with a flickering array of candles upon the mantelpiece and along the walls, producing the pretty, starry effect which candles give without very much light. As I had not the smallest idea what I was about to see, for Morpheus' speaking likeness was very hurriedly said, and only half comprehensible in the bewilderment of my faculties, my first glance was at this very unusual illumination, for which I could assign no reason. The next showed me a large full-length portrait, still in the box in which apparently it had travelled, placed upright, supported against a table in the centre of the room. My father walked straight up to it, motioned to me to place a smaller table close to the picture on the left side and put his lamp upon that. Then he waved his hand towards it and stood aside that I might see. It was a full-length portrait of a very young woman, I might say a girl scarcely twenty, in a white dress made in a very simple old fashion, though I was too little accustomed to female costume to be able to fix the date. It might have been a hundred years old, or twenty for aught I knew. The face had an expression of youth, candor, and simplicity more than any face I had ever seen, or so at least in my surprise I thought. The eyes were a little wistful, with something which was almost anxiety, which at least was not content in them. A faint, almost imperceptible curve in the lids. The complexion was of a dazzling fairness, the hair light but the eyes dark, which gave individuality to the face. It would have been as lovely had the eyes been blue, probably more so, but their darkness gave a touch of character, a slight discord which made the harmony finer. It was not, perhaps, beautiful in the highest sense of the word. The girl must have been too young, too slight too little developed for actual beauty, but a face which so invited love and confidence I never saw. One smiled at it with instinctive affection. What a sweet face, I said. What a lovely girl. Who is she? Is this one of the relations you were speaking of on the other side? My father made me no reply. He stood aside, looking at it as if he knew it too well to require to look as if the picture was already in his eyes. Yes, he said, after an interval, with a long-drawn breath. She was a lovely girl, as you say. Was? Then she is dead? What a pity, I said. What a pity, so young and so sweet. We stood gazing at her thus, in her beautiful stillness and calm. Two men, the younger of us, full-grown and conscious of many experiences, the other an old man, before this impression of tender youth. At length he said with a slight tremulousness in his voice, 
Does nothing suggest to you who she is, Phil? I turned round to look at him with profound astonishment, but he turned away from my look. A sort of quiver passed over his face. That is your mother, he said, and walked suddenly away, leaving me there. My mother? I stood for a moment in a kind of consternation before the white-robed innocent creature, to me no more than a child. Then a sudden laugh broke from me. Without any will of mine, something ludicrous as well as something awful was in it. When the laugh was over, I found myself with tears in my eyes, gazing, holding my breath. The soft features seemed to melt, the lips to move, the anxiety in the eyes to become a personal inquiry. Ah, no, nothing of the kind, only because of the water in mine. My mother? Oh, fair and gentle creature, scarcely woman, how could any man's voice call her by that name? I had little idea enough of what it meant, had heard it, laughed at, scoffed at, reverenced, but never had learned to place it even among the ideal powers of life. Yet if it meant anything at all, what it meant was worth thinking of. What did she ask looking at me with those eyes? What would she have said if those lips had language? If I had known her only as Cowper did? with a child's reflection. There might have been some thread, some faint but comprehensible link between us, but now all that I felt was the curious incongruity. Poor child, I said to myself, so sweet a creature, poor little tender soul, as if she had been a little sister, a child of mine, but my mother? I cannot tell how long I stood looking at her, studying the sweet candid face which surely had germs in it of everything that was good and beautiful and sorry with a profound regret that she had died and never carried those promises to fulfillment poor girl poor people who had loved her these were my thoughts with a curious vertigo and giddiness of my whole being in the sense of a mysterious relationship which it was beyond my power to understand it Presently my father came back, possibly because I had been a long time unconscious of the passage of the minutes, or perhaps because he was himself restless in the strange disturbance of his habitual calm. He came in and put his arm within mine, leaning his weight partially upon me with an affectionate suggestion which went deeper than words. I pressed his arm to my side. It was more between us too grave Englishmen, than any embracing. I cannot understand it, I said. No, I don't wonder at that, but if it is strange to you, Phil, think how much more strange to me. That is the partner of my life. I have never had another, or thought of another. That girl. If we were to meet again, as I have always hoped we should meet again, what am I to say to her? I, an old man, yes, I know what you mean. I am not an old man for my years, but my years are three score and ten, and the play is nearly played out. How am I to meet that young creature? We used to say to each other that it was forever, that we never could be but one, that it was for life and death. 
but what what am i to say to her phil when i meet her again that that angel no it is not her being an angel that troubles me but she is so young she is like my my granddaughter he cried with a burst of what was half sobs half laughter and she is my wife and i am an old man an old man and so much has happened that she could not understand i was too much startled by this strange complaint to know what to say it was not my own trouble and i answered it in the conventional way they are not as we are sir i said they look upon us with larger other eyes than ours ah you don't know what i mean he said quickly and in the interval he had subdued his emotion at first after she died it was my consolation to think that i should meet her again that we never could be really parted but my god how i have changed since then i am another man i am a different being i was not very young even then twenty years older than she was but her youth renewed mine i was not an unfit partner she asked no better and knew as much more than i did in some things being so much nearer the source as i did in others that were of the world but i have gone a long way since then phil a long way and there she stands just where i left her i pressed his arm again father i said which was a title i seldom used we are not to suppose that in a higher life the mind stands still i did not feel myself qualified to discuss such topics but something one must say worse worse he replied then she too will be like me a different being and we shall meet as what as strangers as people who have lost sight of each other with a long past between us we who parted my god with with his voice broke and ended for a moment then while surprised and almost shocked by what he said i cast about in my mind what to reply he withdrew his arm suddenly from mine and said in his usual tone where shall we hang the picture phil it must be here in this room what do you think will be the best light this sudden alteration took me still more by surprise and gave me almost an additional shock but it was evident that i must follow the changes of his mood or at least the sudden repression of sentiment which he originated we went into that simpler question with great seriousness consulting which would be the best light you know i can scarcely advise i said i have never been familiar with this room i should like to put off if you don't mind till daylight i think he said that this would be the best place it was on the other side of the fireplace on the wall which faced the windows not the best light i knew enough to be aware for an oil painting when i said so however he answered me with a little impatience it does not matter very much about the best light there will be nobody to see it but you and me i have reasons there was a small table standing against the wall at this spot on which he had his hand as he spoke upon it stood a little basket in a very fine lace like wicker work his hand must have trembled for the table shook and the basket fell 
its contents turning out upon the carpet little bits of needlework colored silks a small piece of knitting half done he laughed as they rolled out at his feet and tried to stoop to collect them then tottered to a chair and covered for a moment his face with his hands no need to ask what they were no woman's work had been seen in the house since i could recollect it i gathered them up reverently and put them back i could see ignorant as i was that the bit of knitting was something for an infant what could i do less than put it to my lips it had been left in the doing for me yes i think this is the best place my father said a minute after in his usual tone we placed it there that evening with our own hands the picture was large and in a heavy frame but my father would let no one help me but himself and then with a superstition for which i never could give any reason even to myself having removed the packings we closed and locked the door leaving the candles about the room in their soft strange illumination lighting the first night of her return to her old place that night no more was said my father went to his room early which was not his habit he had never however accustomed me to sit late with him in the library i had a little study or smoking room of my own in which all my special treasures were the collections of my travels and my favorite books and where i always sat after prayers a ceremonial which was regularly kept up in the house i retired as usual this night to my room and as usual read but tonight somewhat vaguely often pausing to think when it was quite late i went out by the glass door to the lawn and walked around the house with the intention of looking in at the drawing room window as i had done when a child but i had forgotten that these windows were all shuttered at night and nothing but a faint penetration of the light within through the crevices bore witness to the installment of the new dweller there in the morning my father was entirely himself again he told me without emotion of the manner in which he had obtained the picture it had belonged to my mother's family and had fallen eventually into the hands of a cousin of hers resident abroad a man whom i did not like and who did not like me my father said there was or had been some rivalry he thought a mistake but he was never aware of that he refused all my requests to have a copy made you may suppose phil that i wished this very much had i succeeded you would have been acquainted at least with your mother's appearance and need not have sustained this shock but he would not consent it gave him i think a certain pleasure to think that he had the only picture but now he is dead and out of remorse or with some other intention has left it to me that looks like kindness said i yes or something else he might have thought that by so doing he was establishing a claim upon me my father said but he did not seem disposed to add any more on whose behalf he meant to establish a claim i did not know nor who the man was who had laid us under so great an obligation on his deathbed he had established a claim on me at least though as he was dead i could not see on whose behalf it was and my father said nothing more he seemed to dislike the subject 
when I attempted to return to it, he had recourse to his letters or his newspapers. Evidently, he had made up his mind to say no more. Afterwards, I went into the drawing room to look at the picture once more. It seemed to me that the anxiety in her eyes was not so evident as I had thought it last night. The light possibly was more favorable. She stood just above the place where I make no doubt she had sat in life, where her little work basket was, not very much above it. The picture was full length, and we had hung it low, so that she might have been stepping into the room and was little above my own level as I stood and looked at her again. Once more I smiled at the strange thought that this young creature, so young, almost childish, could be my mother, and once more my eyes grew wet looking at her. He was a benefactor indeed who had given her back to us, I said to myself, that if I could ever do anything for him or his, I would certainly do it, for my, for this lovely young creature's sake. And with this in my mind and all the thoughts that came with it, I am obliged to confess that the other matter which I had been so full of on the previous night went entirely out of my head. It is rarely, however, that such matters are allowed to slip out of one's mind. When I went out in the afternoon for my usual stroll, or rather when I returned from that stroll, I saw once more before me the woman with her baby, whose story had filled me with dismay on the previous evening. She was waiting at the gate as before, and... Oh, gentlemen, but haven't you got some news to give me? She said. My good woman, I have been greatly occupied. I have had no time to do anything. Ah, she said, with a little cry of disappointment. My man said not to make too sure, and that the ways of the gentlefolks is hard to know. I cannot explain to you, I said as gently as I could, what it is that has made me forget you. It was an event that can only do you good in the end. Go home now and see the man that took your things from you and tell him to come to me. I promise you it shall all be put right. The woman looked at me in astonishment, then burst forth as it seemed involuntarily. What? Without asking no questions? After this there came a storm of tears and blessings from which I made haste to escape but not without carrying the curious commentary on my rashness away with me, without asking no questions. It might be foolish, perhaps, but after all, how slight a matter to make the poor creature comfortable at the cost of what? A box or two of cigars, perhaps, or some other trifle? And if it should be her own fault or her husband's, what then? Had I been punished for all my faults, where should I have been now? and if the advantage be only temporary what then to be relieved and comforted even for a day or two was not that something to count in life thus i quenched the fiery dart of criticism which my protege herself had thrown into the transaction not without a certain sense of the humour of it its effect however was to make me less anxious to see my father to repeat my proposal to him and to call his attention to the cruelty performed in his name. This one case I had taken out of the category of wrongs to be righted by assuming arbitrarily the position of providence in my own person, 
for of course i had bound myself to pay the poor creature's rent as well as redeem her goods and whatever might happen to her in the future had taken the past into my own hands the man came presently to see me who it seems had acted as my father's agent in the matter i don't know sir how mr canning will take it he said he don't want none of those irregular bad paying ones in his property he always says as to look over it and let the rent run on is making things worse in the end his rule is never more than a month stevens that's what mr canning says to me sir he says more than that they can't pay it's no use trying and it's a good rule it's a very good rule you won't hear none of their stories sir bless you you would never get a penny of rent from them small houses if you listen to their tales but if so be as you will pay mrs jordan's rent it's none of my business how it's paid so long as it's paid and i'll send her back her things but they will just have to be took next time he added composedly over and over it's always the same story with them sort of poor folks they are too poor for anything that's the truth the man said morphew came back to my room after my visitor was gone mr philip he said you will excuse me sir but if you are going to pay all the poor folks rent as have distresses put in you may just go into the court at once for it's without end i am going to be the agent myself morphew and manage for my father and we'll soon put a stop to that i said more cheerfully than i felt manage for master he said with a face of consternation you mr philip you seem to have a great contempt for me morphew he did not deny the fact he said with excitement master sir master don't let himself be put a stop to by any man master's not one to be managed don't you quarrel with master mr philip for the love of god the old man was quite pale quarrel i said i have never quarreled with my father and i don't mean to begin now morphew dispelled his own excitement by making up the fire which was dying in the grate it was a very mild spring evening and he made up a great blaze which would have suited december this is one of many ways in which an old servant will relieve his mind he muttered all the time as he threw on the coals and wood he will not like it we all know as he will not like it master won't stand no meddling mr philip this last he discharged at me like a flying arrow as he closed the door i soon found there was truth in what he said my father was not angry he was even half amused i don't think that plan of yours will hold water phil i hear you have been paying rents and redeeming furniture that's an expensive game and a very profitless one of course so long as you are a benevolent gentleman acting for your own pleasure it makes no difference to me i am quite content if i get my money even out of your pockets so long as it amuses you but as my collector you know which you are good enough to propose to be of course i should act under your orders i said but at least you might be sure that i would not commit you to any to any i paused for a word act of oppression he said with a smile piece of cruelty exaction there are half a dozen words sir i cried stop will and let us understand each other i hope i have always been a just man i do my duty on my side and i expect it from others 
it is your benevolence that is cruel i have calculated anxiously how much credit it is safe to allow but i will allow no man or woman either to go beyond what he or she can make up my law is fixed now you understand my agents as you call them originate nothing they execute only what i decide but then no circumstances are taken into account no bad luck no evil chances no loss unexpected there are no evil chances he said there is no bad luck they reap as they sow no i don't go among them to be cheated by their stories and spend quite unnecessary emotion in sympathizing with them you will find it much better for you that i don't i deal with them on a general rule made i assure you not without a great deal of thought and must it always be so i said is there no way of ameliorating or bringing in a better state of things it seems not he said we don't get no forerunner in that direction so far as i can see and then he turned the conversation to general matters i retired to my room greatly discouraged that night in former ages or so one is led to suppose and in the lower primitive classes who still linger near the primeval type action of any kind was and is easier than amid the complications of our higher civilization a bad man is a distinct entity against whom you know more or less what steps to take a tyrant an oppressor a bad landlord a man who lets miserable tenements at a rack rent to come down to particulars and exposes his wretched tenants to all those abominations of which we have heard so much well he is more or less a satisfactory opponent there he is and there is nothing to be said for him down with him and let there be an end of his wickedness but when on the contrary you have before you a good man a just man who has considered deeply a question which you allow to be full of difficulty who regrets but cannot being human avert the miseries which to some unhappy individuals follow from the very wisdom of his rule what can you do what is to be done individual benevolence at haphazard may balk him here and there but what have you to put in the place of his well considered scheme charity which makes paupers or what else i had not considered the question deeply but it seemed to me that i now came to a blank wall which my vague human sentiment of pity and scorn could find no way to breach there must be wrong somewhere but where there must be some change for the better to be made but how i was seated with a book before me on the table with my head supported on my hands my eyes were on the printed page but i was not reading my mind was full of these thoughts my heart of great discouragement and despondency a sense that i could do nothing yet that there surely must and ought if i but knew it be something to do the fire which morphew had built up before dinner was dying out the shaded lamp on my table left all the corners in a mysterious twilight the house was perfectly still no one moving my father in the library where after the habit of many solitary years he liked to be left alone and i here in my retreat preparing for the formation of similar habits i thought all at once of the third member of the party the newcomer alone too in the room that had been hers 
and there suddenly occurred to me a strong desire to take up my lamp and go to the drawing-room and visit her to see whether her soft angelic face would give any inspiration i restrained however this futile impulse for what could the picture say and instead wondered what might have been had she lived had she been there warmly enthroned beside the warm domestic centre the hearth which would have been a common sanctuary the true home in that case what might have been alas the question was no more simple to answer than the other she might have been there alone too her husband's business her son's thoughts as far from her as now when her silent representative held her old place in the silence and darkness i had known it so often enough love itself does not always give comprehension and sympathy it might be that she was more to us there in the sweet image of her undeveloped beauty than she might have been had she lived and grown to maturity and fading like the rest i cannot be certain whether my mind was still lingering on this not very cheerful reflection or if it had been left behind when the strange occurrence came of which i have now to tell can i call it an occurrence my eyes were on my book when i thought i heard the sound of a door opening and shutting but so far away and faint that if real at all it must have been in a far corner of the house i did not move except to lift my eyes from the book as one does instinctively the better to listen when but i cannot tell nor have i ever been able to describe exactly what it was my heart made all at once a sudden leap in my breast i am aware that this language is figurative and that the heart cannot leap but it is a figure so entirely justified by sensation that no one will have any difficulty in understanding what i mean my heart leaped up and began beating wildly in my throat in my ears as if my whole being had received a sudden and intolerable shock the sound went through my head like the dizzy sound of some strange mechanism a thousand wheels and springs circling echoing working in my brain i felt the blood bound in my veins my mouth became dry my eyes hot a sense of something insupportable took possession of me i sprang to my feet and then i sat down again i cast a quick glance round me beyond the brief circle of the lamplight but there was nothing there to account in any way for this sudden extraordinary rush of sensation nor could i feel any meaning in it any suggestion any moral impression i thought i must be going to be ill and got out my watch and felt my pulse it was beating furiously about one hundred and twenty-five throbs in a minute i knew of no illness that could come on like this without warning in a moment and i tried to subdue myself to say to myself that it was nothing some flutter of the nerves some physical disturbance i laid myself down upon my sofa to try if rest would help me and kept still as long as the thumping and throbbing of this wild excited mechanism within like a wild beast plunging and struggling would let me i am quite aware of the confusion of the metaphor the reality was just so it was like a mechanism deranged going widely with ever-increasing precipitation 
like those horrible wheels that from time to time catch a helpless human being in them and tear him to pieces but at the same time it was like a maddened living creature making the wildest efforts to get free when i could bear this no longer i got up and walked about my room then having still a certain command of myself though i could not master the commotion within me i deliberately took down an exciting book from the shelf a book of breathless adventure which had always interested me and tried with that to break the spell after a few minutes however i flung the book aside i was gradually losing all power over myself what i should be moved to do to shout aloud to struggle with i know not what or if i was going mad altogether and next moment must be a raving lunatic i could not tell i kept looking round expecting i don't know what several times with the corner of my eye i seemed to see a movement as if someone was stealing out of sight but when i looked straight there was never anything but the plain outlines of the wall and carpet the chairs standing in good order at last i snatched up the lamp in my hand and went out of the room to look at the picture which had been faintly showing in my imagination from time to time the eyes more anxious than ever looking at me from out the silent air but no i passed the door of that room swiftly moving it seemed without any volition of my own and before i knew where i was going went into my father's library with my lamp in my hand he was still sitting there at his writing table he looked up ashenest to see me hurrying in with my light phil he said surprised i remember that i shut the door behind me and came up to him and set down the lamp on the table my sudden appearance alarmed him what is the matter he cried philip what have you been doing with yourself i sat down on the nearest chair and gasped gazing at him the wild commotion ceased the blood subsided into its natural channels my heart resumed its place i used such words as mortal weakness can to express the sensations i felt i came to myself thus gazing at him confounded at once by the extraordinary passion which i had gone through and its sudden cessation the matter i cried i don't know what is the matter my father had pushed his spectacles up from his eyes he appeared to me as faces appear in a fever all glorified with light which is not in them his eyes glowing his white hair shining like silver but his looks were severe you are not a boy that i should reprove you but you ought to know better he said then i explained to him so far as i was able what had happened had happened nothing had happened he did not understand me nor did i now that it was over understand myself but he saw enough to make him aware that the disturbance in me was serious and not caused by any folly of my own he was very kind as soon as he had assured himself of this and talked taking pains to bring me back to unexciting subjects he had a letter in his hand with a very deep border of black when i came in i observed it without taking any notice or associating it with anything i knew he had many correspondents and although we were excellent friends we had never been on those confidential terms which warrant one man in asking another from whom a special letter has come we were not so near to each other as this though we were father and son 
after a while i went back to my own room and finished the evening in my usual way without any return of the excitement which now that it was over looked to me like some extraordinary dream what had it meant had it meant anything i said to myself that it must be purely physical something gone temporarily amiss which had righted itself it was physical the excitement did not affect my mind i was independent of it all the time a spectator of my own agitation a clear proof of that whatever it was it had affected my bodily organization alone next day i returned to the problem which i had not been able to solve i found out my petitioner in the back street and that she was happy in the recovery of her possessions which to my eyes indeed did not seem very worthy either of lamentation or delight nor was her house the tidy house which injured virtue should have when restored to its humble rights she was not injured virtue it was clear she made me a great many curtsies and poured forth a number of blessings her man came in while i was there and hoped in a gruff voice that god would reward me and that the old gentleman would let them alone i did not like the look of the man it seemed to me that in the dark lane behind the house of a winter's night he would not be a pleasant person to find in one's way nor was this all when i went out into the little street which it appeared was all or almost all my father's property a number of groups formed in my way and at least half a dozen applicants sidled up i have more claims nor mary jordan any day said one i have lived on squire canning's property one place and another this twenty year and what do you say to me said another i have six children to her too bless you sir and never a father to do for them i believed in my father's rule before i got out of the street and approved his wisdom in keeping himself free from personal contact with his tenants yet when i looked back upon the swarming thoroughfare the mean little houses the women at their doors all so open-mouthed and eager to contend for my favour my heart sank within me at the thought that out of their misery some portion of our wealth came i don't care how small a portion that i young and strong should be kept idle and in luxury in some part where the money screwed out of their necessities obtained sometimes by the sacrifice of everything deprived of course i know all the ordinary commonplaces of life as well as any one that if you build a house with your hand or your money and let it the rent of it is your just due and must be paid but yet don't you think sir i said that evening at dinner the subject being reintroduced by my father himself that we have some duty towards them when we draw so much from them certainly he said i take as much trouble about their drains as i do about my own that is always something i suppose something it is a great deal it is more than they get anywhere else i keep them clean as far as that's possible i give them at least the means of keeping clean and thus check disease and prolong life which is more i assure you than they have any right to expect i was not prepared with arguments as i ought to have been that is all in the gospel according to adam smith which my father had been brought up in but of which the tenets had begun to be less binding in my day i wanted something more or else something less 
but my views were not so clear nor my system so logical and well built as that upon which my father rested his conscience and drew his percentage with a light heart yet i thought there was signs in him of some perturbation i met him one morning coming out of the room in which the portrait hung as if he had gone to look at it stealthily he was shaking his head and saying no no to himself not perceiving me and i stepped aside when i saw him so absorbed for myself i entered that room but refuge i went outside as i had so often done when i was a child and looked through the windows into the still and now sacred place which had always impressed me with a certain awe looked at so the slight figure in its white dress seemed to be stepping down into the room from some slight visionary altitude looking with that which had seemed to me at first anxiety which i sometimes represented to myself now as a wistful curiosity as if she were looking for the life which might have been hers where was the existence that had belonged to her the sweet household face the infant she had left she would no more recognize the man who thus came to look at her as through a veil with a mystic reverence than i could recognize her i could never be her child to her any more than she could be a mother to me end of part 2 of the portrait recording by red abrus december 2007